What's up, everyone? Today's guest, Sonny Chara, is someone who has extensive experience in the world of sales and marketing, having worked for some of the biggest brands out there like UPS, DHL, and Honeywell. He also founded his own company back in 2016 called Sassy Eyes, which operates in the space of eye health and retail. We sit down and talk about some of the most important sales and marketing strategies, and generally speaking, how can your business uplift its customer acquisition capability? We're live. Okay. So, Sonny, how are you? Good, thanks, Brani. Yourself? Good to have you, man. Thank you very much. Looking forward uh, to it. I'm very pleased to have you in here, and um, I think we'll have a lot of things to talk about. Exciting you times know, ahead. You have a lot of experience in, obviously, sales and marketing by virtue of, you know, uh, all the work and, you know, positions, and even also you had a business uh, that you uh, were running until re as of recent. Yes. So, uh, I think we'll have a lot of things to cover today. Yeah, look, and as we go into 2021... Uh, I think there's a lot of uh, companies are now looking towards growth. Yep. They're getting used to this new new way of being uh, normal and they're trying to find ways. Okay, so this is how we have to do business. Mm. We don't stop doing business, but how can we work with it to grow? So there's a lot of plans coming out for 2021 mm. around where that growth will be and how do we execute our growth plans there. Yeah, it's, it's like, like you said, at some point people just accepted yes. you know, where everything went. And how things uh, have unfolded over the last few months, ever the, uh, since the recession has kicked in, and everyone is like, okay, well, how do we now look at growing, uh, regardless of what's happening, and yes. you know what can happen? Let's just focus on you know how do we live with with the the pandemic or virus, whatever you call it. And um, there's been a lot of amazing stories of companies that quadrupled in, yes. in, in growth, you know, obviously online, um, e-commerce yes. has been, has been crazy and companies, a lot of tech companies like zoom and yes, a lot of other companies, um, did really, really well. So, um, where do we start? No, no, there are certain, certain pockets that have done an exceptional. I mean, even during the, the the recession of the nineteen twenties and, and thirties, late twenty nine and thirties, yeah. uh, companies some companies did do extremely well. Mm. Um, uh, obviously, this is slightly different. This was mm. a forced yeah. recession as such because of a of a pandemic. But mm. I think initially there was a big shock. Yeah, people were afraid on how to deal with it. Everyone sort yeah. of just shut yeah. their doors and just contain themselves in the mm. businesses um, but now i think they're looking at okay we've got to go on with life yep. life doesn't stop here mm. um and also with with the talk of vaccines coming out mm. next year uh, that looks positive as well. obviously it'll take a while yeah well the logistics of that to happen yeah i mean you've got to produce mm. you've got to store yeah you've got to transport mm. you know in in certain temperature controlled environments you've got to then get it to a port like Sydney, mm. and then into into warehouses across Sydney, mm. and then into the hands of doctors or whoever's going to yeah. give those vaccines out, and then you've got to give it to to the community. So it'll be a logistics, a very big exercise mm. to do to get the world uh, immunised against, or or is Australia yeah, immunised mm. against it? Actually, yeah, I, th I think when you look at uh, businesses and how they get affected and impacted by events like that. It's um, it's quite interesting because it's not doesn't impact every single business. Also, by the nature of what the business 
is in and the industry and you know what they do and the products and whatnot it impacts businesses in different ways um so for example if you wear a cafe or a bar you got really hit big mm. time but if you were uh, an online store who was that was focusing primarily on selling online yes uh you wouldn't have been impacted the same way right but the point i have around getting imp impacted by recessions or something like a pandemic is yes it uh, impacts businesses in different ways and you might not be impacted or you might be impacted more but there are also lessons learned from businesses that were able through being agile and and, and responsive yes to mitigate a lot of the risk and the example i have is ikea i read an article a couple of weeks ago about how they were forced to shut down 75 percent of their stores mm. and previous to the pandemic they they didn't have a, a big focus on online yes because part of their strategy is to have you come into the store yes. do the whole walk yes you know it's a cost and, saving for them yeah and they have like this little you know journey so you go from this partition going into the kitchen area to yes. you know the bedroom all that stuff and as you go you keep buying and buying and buying <laughs> and so they had to react really really fast and they were able to mitigate a lot of the losses they had they incurred by shutting down these stores so i think a big part of business growth comes down to how quickly you can respond to external events yes so, uh, i i think there was there was actually there was a a big uh, growth in online prior to the pandemic anyway mm. with the pandemic it's it's certainly if you weren't in it by then mm. you had to jump on it quick if you didn't mm. your, your business basically is gone yeah um and the companies that were, that were on it have grown even more mm. so it's something that you had to jump on yeah very quickly so shall we perhaps go a little bit into your journey maybe over the last five years and we can start from there to talk a little bit about um, your insights and and how businesses can grow and how can you know sales and marketing work together and you know talk a bit about um, maybe a few strategies and things like that oh, well means um, so you um, I guess what, what what did you do over the last five years? I know you also had a business that you started and, and sold. Yes. Uh, but prior to that, you also worked for a few uh, big names. Yeah, yeah. I So, uh, yeah, look, I, I left school, um, uh, a uni that is. I picked up a, a grad program yep. with Energy Australia, actually, uh, going back, and then went to uh, 3M yep. uh, and Telstra and Optus yep. for a bit, and then um, moved over to the UK. And worked with a company called DHL, which was um, logistics. Yeah, yeah, and and I, I didn't have any aspirations or desire to end up in logistics. Mm. It just sort of happened. Yep, that makes sense. Um, and 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 it's funny because I think as a person and and in your own career, mm. you you grow when you're outside your comfort zone, and that's yep. very true because that role was way outside my, my comfort zone. And it's the role where I grew the most. Yep. 
and where I have enjoyed it the most as well. Yeah. Because you're able to do a lot of things that are new, mm. um, pick up new skills. Yep. And then once you sort of conquer those, yep. or at least deliver on your KPIs, you, you really enjoy it. Yep. You, feel, you feel great. You get rewarded with, with a nice, healthy bonus too, which yeah, is nice. Uh, yeah, and then from there, um, came back. Uh, actually, the, there was the, the GFC yep. then hit. Uh, moved back with DHL uh, here to their domestic business, which was a joint venture between DHL and New Zealand Post. Uh, that got sold off and then moved to UPS mm. uh, with Asia, did a couple of sales and marketing roles in Asia yep. with, with uh, UPS. Um, and then uh, as a family, we decided to, to move, move back here to, yep. to Australia uh, after a few years from Singapore. Um, my wife uh, wanted to, we decided actually what we would do our own business yep. to have some to provide us another additional revenue stream, but have some independence from the corporate work for, for a while and see because mm. how that plays out. Yeah. Cause you, you spend so much time providing these expertise skills that you have towards mm. companies. Why can't you provide it for, for yourself? Yeah. So, so, um, I, I got, I got a business started, uh, from, from scratch. Mm. Um, and then, uh, I picked up a role with Tate communications. Um, and then I went to Honeywell as the business was building up. So, yep. um, in the evenings I was doing a few hours at night and on the hashtag and, hustler and one tag on, and one day on, on the weekend, you spend right. some time doing, you know, and a lot of tasks you would do yourself because yep. you were trying to save costs. Yep. Um, no, and we, and we had the kids get involved occasionally uh, to help. Mm. Um, then we uh, had someone who wanted to, to, to buy it. She's just before the pandemic hit. Right. We had someone that wanted to, to actually buy it. And then with, with, with the pandemic, things slowed mm. down. That original deal fell through, but we did get somebody to, to buy the business, which happened uh, just a couple of months ago. Congratulations. So, yeah, thanks. So, well done. So, so we are, we've now obviously moved that business on and now um, coming to 2021, looking at, at now the, the the new normal now, which yep. is very different and very exciting mm. though as well, uh, and it's how employees can now adapt mm. to the new normal, the new way of doing business. Mm. For example, with sales, you don't very hard to meet someone. If you've got an APAC role, how do you meet someone in Malaysia or in China mm. to 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 sell? You got to do it via Remote. email, mm. via Zoom, via Skype. Mm. by teams or google yep. google classrooms but you got those other means to do it now mm. um so it's it's employees that can adapt to the new form of of working yeah yep. it becomes it becomes very difficult now can i just ask you to bring this a little bit this way yeah yeah perfect um yeah i, I definitely do you think that this new norm because that's the idea i've been kind of toying with lately whether this this is just a transition period or this is just a temporary period and everything is going to go back to the way they were because deep down a lot of people are wanting to think that this is what's going to happen but then there are some realistic uh, or some realists who think that uh, or maybe pessimistic, depends on how you see it, <laughs> that things will never be the same. And um, so, I don't know. I feel like 
definitely adaptation and, and adapting is the name of the game right now. But do you also see that it's just temporary? You have to adapt. The the I think we we've done a quite a big change. Mm. It'll come back a bit. Mm. It'll come back. How much comes back is 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 a debate. Mm. But I think there'll be a mixture. Mm. I think uh, a lot of companies who were um, against mm. people working from home were forced to to do it now. Mm. Um, so it's been proven that it can can work, mm. and you can have a better balance between. Um, oh, better life work balance as well so that that's helped it so it'll mm. certainly come back but i think a lot of people um including myself i know a lot of old colleagues of mine and and uh, have have said i miss going into the mm. office i need to have a few days a week in the mm. office um one to share ideas yeah because you, you can't just walk by someone's office and say you know, Rani, I just just a quick quick one for you, because mm. you're you're sitting in in your house. You're going to ring up someone and say, "I've got a quick one for you." You can't go and grab a coffee with someone. Mm. I think I just want to run run this idea past you. So a lot of that I think has stopped, um, mm. and people miss miss that, um, and, and that interaction with uh, with uh, people. But the alone time at home means less distractions, which mm. means you can sort of get your head into a a report or a or an Excel spreadsheet or a PowerPoint, and you can really sort of go through it properly without being uh, disturbed which, which is a plus really, yeah that's a really interesting point like for example to illustrate what you just said this was happening right now us talking mm. is a brainstorming session in and of itself like you know i'm talking you're talking we're sharing ideas and they're building on top of each other yes so eventually we get to this place where you know we find some meaningful insights and, and conclusions you might not necessarily get that with, you know, being, you know, working from home and not seeing uh, your colleagues and, and sitting, you know, I guess you can still do it remotely via obviously Zoom and, and Skype and whatever, but there's something about physical presence that yes. brings the a lot interactions, of interactions. Yeah. The, the, yeah. After all, being humans, we want, we want that interaction. Yeah. You want to you see someone's, hand signals or something mm. or their gestures, whether they think the idea is good, good or bad. On Zoom, mm. they can, you know, sit on their hands and, and you'll never know whether they sort of think it's a good idea or, mm. or a bad idea. But when you having, you know, sitting across from you, if I put forward an idea, you like it, your gestures will be different. I think, okay, I, I'm on the right track. Mm. So you need to have, I think, moving forward, mm. there'll be a, a balance. And when you look at sales, for example, you know, if I'm, let's say I'm, it's a B2B context and, you know, I'm, I'm promoting, I'm selling to you, um, for example, a software that you guys can use in your company to do X, Y, and Z. Um, sitting in front of you to talk to you about something, you know, trust is super important when it comes to sales, right? Especially in the B2B space or across the board. And, you know, there's nothing... I shouldn't say there's nothing, but sitting in front of someone and seeing them and interacting with them and being in proximity helps tremendously when it comes to building trust. It does. And it's easier to articulate something as well. Because mm. a simple sketch, for example, yeah. you, know, you can draw a quick diagram um, as I'm sitting in front of you. Mm. Zoom, it, it just wouldn't happen. Mm. So that That's a crucial part um, mm. where, you know, a lot of sales guys have lost their roles 
they're not meeting their, their, their numbers because it's, it's tough mm. at the moment. And we're working in ways around it and, and, and the smart employees are finding ways around it mm. and, 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 they're getting, and they're getting to it a lot quicker than, than others. In some industries, it's obviously different. Mm. So it does vary by, by industry. Yeah, well, survival is a is, um, product of adaptation, isn't it? Yes, it is. Yes, it is. I, I, I would say so. I, just, I would say one thing, though. I, I would suspect, I don't have any day, data is yet to back this up, but if you've got a current relationship with a customer mm. or have had in the past, it'd be easier to maintain that customer yep. than to find a new one in yep. the current environment. So I'd, 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 I don't have those data at the moment, but I would envisage a lot of plans in place to retain and grow existing B2B customers. So I used to think about this quite a lot as well uh, back in the day when I, I was in more in sales operations, working for a few companies. Uh, the idea of where an organization should focus or as a business in general uh, should put more eggs in new business development or customer retention, right? It's, it's a very interesting thing. Like obviously you want, everyone wants more business yes, and want to keep the customers. Yes. But a lot of times you have to decide whether you want to invest or focus a little bit more because no matter what business you're in and what organization, you know, uh, size you have, there's always going to be some limitation on the resources that you have, right? Always the case. Always. Always the case. So when you have a limited resource, be it human resources, money, whatever, you're going to have to decide on where you focus on. So the, the idea of, okay, do we focus on retention? Let's keep let's give a priority to keeping the customers that we have and servicing them or do we go after new business, business? Look, it, it, it's look you can only grow the business in three ways one you bring on new customers so you're selling more to new customers you have your current customers and you sell more to them so you, rather than selling them five widgets you sell them mm. ten yep or you have your current customers and with those five widgets, you increase the price or increase the value of those five to I increase the revenue. So you got only got three three ways to do it. It's as yeah. simple as that. Yeah, when it comes, right? you boil it That's down. It. This is, it's as simple yeah. as that. So it's it's where you think you can maximize that, those returns. So I mentioned that in the current pandemic, a lot of businesses are focusing more on on because it's hard to sell mm. to get someone to switch companies now, particularly in a complex sale, mm. it can be quite difficult. Mm. So, because you don't have that trust be sitting in front of someone. So you have this push for retaining and growing current current business. However, it depends on your industry, mm. where you are within your, your, your industry. Like yep. if you've got a, a large chunk of the industry, like 50%, you know, growing to new customers can be tough. Mm. You, know, you, you wanna make sure that no one pinches your current mm customer base so you don't have a hole in the bucket where you keep adding in new customers and you keep dropping out new customers because mm -hmm. you're wasting money essentially yeah. on 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 marketing to to new new customers uh and, and also it depends on what you want to do if you're a challenger brand well then you need to grow market share mm. and to grow market share you've got to pinch from your competitors um and growing the market is what all the what all your competitors would do as well yeah um and in certain industries like now like with mm. zoom uh, that industry is growing. So yep. you can grow the industry as opposed to pinching as much market share for, for, from others. Interesting. Yeah. But, but essentially, um, if you want to bring on new customers, you've got to pinch market share. So, so it depends yep. on your product, where you are within the market, 
and where you see your growth coming from. So it's not a simple black and white. Yeah, and it also comes down to return, return on investment. So if you if you look and you see, okay, we're spending X amount of dollars on new business development um, initiatives to bring new customers, and we know that on average the customer lifetime value is X, um, you know, because on average we can retain a customer for, or upsell to the customer um, you know, for that long and that much uh, worth of money. And then you compare that to, okay, well, if we had invested, if we invest a little bit less and put this money into customer retention and also, so we increase the, the, the lifetime span and the value of the customer, yes. but also upsell to them, what is the return that we get yes. from this incremental investment? Correct. So a lot of it also come come down to looking at your data and yeah, you, you you got to know where where that growth will, will come from mm. and 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 which initiatives you'd use to execute those plans to get to that growth. Mm. So it's it's very much dependent upon the industry and mm. where you are as a business and what what your goal what your goal is. Yeah. The the golden question. Ready? Sure. Shoot. <laughs> the sales and marketing what you believe their roles are and how they play in together and it's going to be a very open-ended question and how that varies in different sectors um you know what are the ways sales and marketing functions can be super aligned and productive working together um you know we've heard and seen a lot of changes in in big corporations where you know they remove CMOs and they make the sales and marketing function one department or one organize one um, uh, department organization yes. within the larger organization or um, you know is it KPIs you know what what, what are your thoughts on that? Look, I've, I've worked across what uh, three different regions in, in the world now and and a few different uh, industries and. Um, One common fact factor is there for growth, mm. for a company to have growth, both sales and marketing have to be intertwined and working together. Mm. That that's the bottom line. And unless that happens, you're not going to get get real tangible growth. You're not going to provide value to to your customers. It comes down to sales and marketing being on the same plan, building that plan together. Mm. Um, and if you often have a, a head of sales and a head of marketing who aren't on the same page, and that could be for you know historical reasons in the company, mm. um, it could be for personal reasons amongst themselves they just don't don't get along as well as what they should, you know it causes friction between the sales yep. and, and marketing functions, and that can often happen. And, and small teething things can call can cause delays, right? Um, I've found that if you can in in some cases, some industries, when you combine the sales and marketing, mm. you'll find that the accountability is, sits with the one person mm. for for growth. Mm. So sales can't do this, and marketing can't can't do that. Uh, when when the CEO points the question, you know, where where's our growth? Um, it sits on one person's shoulders, and then because the one person has responsibility for both, they can pull the levers accordingly. Mm. And, and even move some of the KPIs internally to capture the goal, whether you want to quickly turn from 
looking at new customers mm. to retention of current customers. Um, there, there was an example where in, in, in the UK, when I was with DHL, we were growing this whole uh, e-commerce network. So it's a very, is at the, at the embryonic stages of the, um, uh, the first mile and, and yep. last mile um, yep. for uh, logistics. Um, and because I had that, that luxury, I was able to, for the first six months, focus the sales guys on, on doing new business, so mm. acquiring new, new service point locations. Yep. When in, in, in the second half, it was more about, okay, let's maximize the sales we can get from the existing ones. So I think there is a benefit depending on, on the industry and the type of business mm. on, on having those functions aligned a lot more closely. And the closer they are, are aligned, the better it is. Mm. I think in organizations where you can't have, like you said, sales and marketing under one roof with one person being accountable, one of the things that you can do is, is really have a deep look at the KPIs that are driving yes. performance of both. Because, um, you know, I, I worked for companies where the KPIs were not necessarily driving the right outcomes and kind of led to pointing fingers, for the lack of a better term. So I think KPIs can, can be one way to do it, but ideally having it under one roof is, is what from you know, I've seen over the last few years is, is probably the best practice in my opinion. Um, you, you, you can share some of the KPIs. That, that, that does help as well. If you're hesitant to, to put them both together, sharing some of the KPIs can, can help because mm. then automatically by default, mm. you're both working or both functions are working on a common, yeah. a common KPI. Um, you know, so if you're sharing profit or if you're sharing new business growth, you know, mm. if you're sharing general investments, um, mm. you're, you both automatically must align to that. Mm. So you, you'll do what's best for mm. the business to get, or best for the KPI to get it. And therefore mm. you're both working together. But yeah, it's, it's, it's not a, a black and white answer. It's, yep. it's quite unique to the business and also to, to the, to the personalities as well. Mm. You know, in some businesses, look, it's best to keep them separate. Mm. Um, no, I, you know, I, I spent some time looking at, at domestic uh, transport. Yep. Um, and, and, and in that scenario, it was good to have it separate, sales and marketing. Yep. Um, because pricing, pricing in, in logistics, because of the utilization, mm. if you don't use it, you, you lose it in terms mm. of a space. Um, pricing sat with marketing. If you yep. sat with sales, mm. everything would get approved, mm. um, you know, and you sell it really cheap just yeah. to get the volume up, of course. which doesn't help. And then if you gave it to finance, finance would approve nothing. Well, yeah. they approve very little <laughs> because for finance, they're worried about the cost. Yeah. And, and they don't care about the top line revenue as much. Yeah. We much love sales. all the finance folks, so <laughs> don't uh, take it the wrong way. But no, no. You definitely are show stoppers sometimes. <laughs> so, no, but, but they're looking at, at, I mean, their KPIs are yep. around managing the cost, of you course. know, and, and the growth to a certain extent of, of the business, making mm -hmm. sure it navigates through, through those uh, times that so pricing sat within within marketing mm. so i think in that scenario it worked out well to have marketing separate from, from sales but share some common um kpi so marketing shared um profit mm. with um finance yep. and we also shared revenue with um mm. with sales so you know it was a balanced approach so if i'm a b2b startup if i'm a startup in the b2b space what are the things that 
from your experience you think and what what's been happening over the last few months um you know from an economic standpoint and whether it's ease or difficulty of breaking into the australian market or the global market what are the things that you personally believe um a startup should focus on whether in sales or marketing or both you would need to know I, th I think it comes down to at the very first first phase is what is the problem you're trying to solve for yeah. a, a customer yeah right all right oh, so you must have an idea of mm. what you want to do okay so what is the problem within that within that industry the mm. broader what what is that i need the customer wants mm. different from what they currently get Mm. or can you provide the service better than somebody else can, can currently do? And generally you can't because you're a startup. Mm. So, yeah. you know, you need a lot of uh, um, initial investment costs. Yeah. Once up and running, because you're smaller, you might be more nimble, so you can provide it. But initially, what can you provide to a customer that provides, that solves a pain point for them? Mm. So as a customer, you would have an, an issue mm. or that, that just annoys you. Mm. Now, I want to solve that. So then, okay, that's their issue. Mm. Now, what product can I do? Mm. And what solution do I provide with that? So mm. This is the product, which, which the customer does not care about. They care about the solution. Mm. So make sure then that you have a solution that targets that, that, that issue. Mm. And then look at how you would position that within the marketplace. Who would be your first 10, 15, 20 customers that you could target straight away? Mm. Um, because you need to have uh, the revenue. Let's face it, yep. um, the costs don't don't stop, but yep. the revenue can. So, <laughs> yeah. so ha have that list of customers and keep growing that list of customers because mm. you're going to be trying to pinch market share away. But it comes down to solving a solution, an issue for a, a customer by having a solution, not having a product. Yeah, and a lot of a lot of people get stuck on that. They just mm. say, "I've got this great product. Mm. So what? Yeah, like you know, you do know, people need it?" Yeah. Okay. How how will that mm. help me? It'll save me. It'll save you man hours or person mm. hours by the data entry. You'll have a cost saving. Now that's you know to me you know the company that could be like a hundred hundred dollars mm. a week. Times it by two or three staff mm. over twelve months. That's a lot of money. Mm. So already you're starting to to provide a solution for that uh, customer. In the B two B space, almost always whatever you're selling has to be translated into some form of money <laughs> right like what am i selling you and how is that going to put money in your organization whether it's by helping you sell more cost save or yes. brand equity whatever right how can we translate that but i think you're right with um you know problem solving you know when you look at developing creating a business and developing a product um it's all about what problem can i solve or am I solving? But then the question, the next question becomes, well, is that problem a legitimate problem? Uh, do people actually face that problem? Or is it just, you know, how, what's the magnitude? How many people actually have that problem? Or, or do I just think that it is a problem and it's not really as big as I think it is? And if it is, that next question becomes, well, how can the existing marketplace who might not be in that space, but maybe in a, in a similar or in an industry that overlaps, who might look at this and say, okay, well, and because they have resources, they established bigger companies, they can 
uh, right away develop a product that competes with what I'm doing. Um, so it also becomes about how easy can it, how easy it is to replicate that product and yes. bring it to the market. Yes. If you perceive an issue in the marketplace, and you go and uh, try and resolve it. You won't be in the market for long. You might get some quick sales up, but you'll be found out pretty quick. Um, you need to find out what the core issue is. Um, and then you can have a more of a sustainable business, at least for a period of time while that issue exists. But then you'll have competitors coming into the market mm -hmm. and trying to provide it faster, cheaper, better than mm -hmm. what you can. So you've got to be up, up with the game. A, a lot of companies think that a bigger company can do it faster, mm. but I, I don't think so. Mm. They have access to funds to do it faster, yep. but their ability to provide the solution quicker, I think, mm. is sometimes held up mm. by their own internal um, approvals. Yep. To get something you've got to Bureaucracy. go through. <laughs> well, well no, but, but they're in place for, for a reason. Yep. Right, mm. it, but it just happens. But because they're bigger, they have more. Of course, um, you know, and and they have to go through those right channels to make mm. sure. And and bearing in mind, you might call it bureaucracy, but those checkpoints, if done correctly, also diminish the risk of it not succeeding as well. Of course, which is a very valuable point. Mm. Where in a smaller business, you don't have that, so you might be able to go to the market faster. Yep, but you could also lose it a lot faster as, uh, as well. But it's not as not as uh, as sustained. Totally different mindsets, right? A bigger company is more focused on protecting what they have. Yes. So they have all these things in place yes. to make sure that whatever the new initiatives are, they're not going to damage the brand, they're not going to damage the business. Correct. Whereas if you're a small business, your mindset is all about risk-taking, growth, yes. trying to do new things. Yeah, and and, 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 and as, you employ, as you grow as a small company, you're, you're, you employ people, those checks and balances will automatically start to come into it. Uh, it depends now on how much you want those in there or not, mm. and how flat your structure is. But, but yes, it will happen if if, if you thankfully mm. can grow that that big. Yeah. Going back to marketing in the B two B space, do you believe content marketing is one of the, if not the most important thing? That a marketing function should focus on in in the b2b space are there other things that should come above it next to it um content marketing you said yeah yeah look it's it's a fair question that that's been raised many times b b before mm -hmm. as well so it's it's very hard to make a generic rule because yep. each company is different right. and they're in different phases yep. different investments you know different growth phases too right and different product life cycles, but generally speaking, B two B, because the world has we've come a lot, we get a lot more data. Yeah. So we're, we can be a lot more smarter. Mm. We can, for example, segment our customer base or the market sure. into different verticals, for argument's sake, um, and then we can target those customers or those potential customers within that market with EDMs or campaigns or, you know, trade show, whatever you want to do. Um, but, you could, but then you can target it with the right content marketing by having, for example, a story about, you know, if you're doing mining, someone who's in the, the mining industry and what problems they face and the solutions that you have. So 
we can be a lot smarter with it. And a lot mm. of companies are becoming a lot smarter with it by having a more of a tailored content approach. And that's been possible with this whole digitization. Mm. So it, it has become a lot more cost effective mm. in that perspective. So you've seen a, a lot of money go off from above the line and move into below the line. And, mm. and, a, and a fair chunk of that's gone into this whole tailored content marketing. Which which kind of overlaps with the the whole funnel building yes. exercise, right? So, how do you take people from you know just seeing one content piece or seeing an ad uh, to perhaps becoming a lead, submitting an inquiry to, especially in B two B, you have a a much longer sales cycle. Yes, and depending on the type of the business, that could be I don't know maybe two weeks to two years sometimes, yes. depending on, you know, if, if you're selling something to the um, CIA, I guess, <laughs> you know, what was it? Uh, AWS just sold to um, Amazon Web Services. They just sold to uh, Jeff Bezos did a deal with the either CIA or the American government uh, that was in the billions, like a couple of billions. Um, I wonder how long that took. <laughs> Maybe that took two days. <laughs> That'd be crazy. Um, but yeah, so being able to understand, and I was actually writing a blog piece about that yesterday, understand using a, a different set of marketing technologies and tools, how people interact with the content and you know what you serve them with, uh, even if it's an ad or anything else. And to understand, not just from... A demographic standpoint you know if, if you're a b2c and you're selling you know i don't know gifts and you have different geographies that you're targeting uh different demographics different age groups etc you might go and say okay well i want to i want to be looking at i, I want to have um emails that go to people who are from you know this age group to that mm -hmm. age group who are males for example and serve them with you know these um because these are the products that yes. they would be interested in uh but then there's a whole different ball game in understanding how people interact with your content and you know from clicking to visiting a specific page how long on the page for how long um, they get all, stuck yeah exactly all these things and uh, what inquiry form they submitted um there's hundreds if not thousands of things that you can look at to feed these signals to your um marketing team but also your sales team to be able to have better conversations with yes. your prospective customers the, the, the first thing is you can only target those geographies or those groups if you have the right information coming in mm. so you need to obviously have an initiative in place where you can collate person's name age address or business address or home address depending on b2b or b2c uh, age group etc so you can't do any of the edms or the campaigns you want to get done without having that information first whether you do it by edms or by facebook linkedin you need to have that first and only then you can be smarter with your outputs. And and I, and I would say one thing: a lot of the smarter companies, particularly in Australia, with the with with the quite strict rules around um, 
uh, unsubscribing mm. from from emails. Privacy. You, yeah, you 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 have so. to. Um, you want to be very sure you don't lose those mm. those those customers by unsubscribing them choosing to unsubscribe for, for, yep. from your EDM. So your content has to be relevant, mm. timely, and and very much informative to what they want. Yeah, because they can opt out tomorrow. Of course, and like, and that list is very hard hard to get. Yeah, I mean, let's say you know we're friends, and you know we meet up every couple of weeks to catch up you know over a beer or whatever and i know you're not a fan of soccer for example yep yeah every single time i sit with you i'm like hey man did you watch that last game liverpool blah, blah, blah. you're gonna stop want to talk to me right you, you're not gonna want to hang out anymore and so you take that same very simple concept and apply it in you know your your content marketing you have to understand what people care about and yes. what people are interested in and um, obviously, because not all your content is going to be a, directly about what you're selling. And so a big portion, a substantial portion is going to be about things, you know, especially if you're at the top of the funnel, things that are interesting to your audience. Yes, correct. Um, away from your particular product. So understanding what people like and not like and what they are interested in is absolutely imperative. So, yeah. So as I said to you, you got to know what those issues are within the, the, the customer or within that industry. Mm. So a certain industry, if you're doing like a B2B solution yeah. sale, that industry and, and that, and a vertical within that industry um, would have a couple of main pain points yep. that they're trying to solve. Right. Um, and that's where you can provide tailored content mm. about industry updates mm. to that customer who's on yep. that mailing list. Because you've got the, the right data coming in, you've got mm. your Salesforce, Marketo list that you can use um, to, to segment that up. And then you can start to look at content from globally yep. within your, your company, within your partners or, or other stories that's relevant towards mm. them. And you're starting to build that relationship mm. with that customer yep um and then obviously that's at the, at the top of the funnel they start to get intrigued mm. um they might click on a story mm. they bang you've got them mm. this person's interested in this story mm. you know you might ring them a bit further saying you know because you know they've got a problem in this area you know we know this problem's worth x million dollars a year we can we have a solution for this you might want to warm the lead up before you give it to the, yep. the salesperson or the salesperson may wish to do it themselves. Yeah. But you're starting to provide informative information mm. that gets their interest in before you. And look, if, if your EDM is just about your products, it ain't going to work. Yeah. It's just not going to work. Don't even waste your time. It's got to be value-adding, educational. Yes. Informative. Yeah. Yes, correct. And, and they're going to find how it relates to them and you should be able and you should be able to join those dots mm. for them you should be that smart in, in your business yeah that you know what their issue is mm. and you know how to provide a story where, where the dots can be joined Connect. correct correct yeah so draw that connection between the pain that you got and why my product is the right solution correct and, and don't ever say yeah, i've got the right solution for and you. it's exactly i was just about to say and it's never like saying it like that it's correct. never Correct. Um, sometimes it can be uh, a little bit less direct. Sometimes it has to be a lot more 
a lot less direct yes. uh depending on the the nature of the business but um yeah it's never like hey i got the right solution for you <laughs> want to buy it um but, but particularly for a b2b sale because it's a yeah. you know a transactional sale for b2c that's mm. pretty quick right you can make yeah. a decision on the spot but you're talking about something that's worth a, a million dollars well no you can't mm. i love b2b I love B2B marketing. I, I mean, I'm into, I'm in B2B and B2C. And I, I always try to think of how different they are, you know? They are. I, 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 I think B2B can be a bit more fun. I think you've got a, a bit more attitude. Mm. That makes sense. Um, yeah, it's B2C. It's, it's, you do a lot more fun things at a social level. Mm. But in terms of 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 the of the of, of within marketing and 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 sales and your latitude within those is is, is a bit a bit broader if, if mm. that makes sense. But your social aspect of B two C is 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 a lot more visible and fun, obviously. Yeah. Um. But you'll find that um, principles can be quite similar. quite similar, mm. but your execution pieces have to be very different. Mm. On, on 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 winning winning uh, business um so yeah we we never we never mentioned what b2c and b2b is i'm sure a lot of who you know whoever is watching already know but for anyone who doesn't know uh b2c business to consumer sometimes it's referred to as b2c direct to consumer yes so that's you know an example that is e-commerce so you're selling to person an individual b2b is business to business um so do you have any thoughts on how you see the marketing or even sales of both uh space evolving whether from a technology standpoint or from practices standpoint in the next couple of years uh whether here in australia around the world um any any thoughts about how you see this space going there, before the pandemic, there was a bit of graying mm. between the B2B and B2C space. Um, the pandemic has accelerated that, and, yep. I, and I think that will continue to uh, accelerate, mm. where companies who are traditionally B2B are looking at B2C mm. um, or B2B 2C through a retail partner or, or through a, a third party somehow. Yep. But they're, they're looking at ways to hit the consumer directly mm. and then internally you have your different um ways to go to 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 market sure and then different cost measures to get to that market and so therefore different, different price offerings and different solutions yeah yep. as well so i think it, it'll it'll grow mm. that space yes amazing amazing is there anything that you think we haven't covered that we should have um around growth and look, I, I i think the one the, the main thing to un understand is, is customers first yeah i think i think we get so hell-bent on internally you know you get stuck on marketing plans or sales plans or growth plans and execution of this your seos we often forget about the customer mm. we often forget what what are we providing for the customer mm. that will force them to choose you over somebody else. Mm. I think because we get put in the regular day-to-day -day work, we often forget that. And I think that's one of the biggest things. And, and don't think that you know. Mm. 
you got to find out mm. what it is. Yeah, because assumption can can lead you down the wrong wrong path as well. So you know, spend some time. You know, if if you're in in a large corporate or, or many sized business, spend some time out on the road. Go and talk to the customers. Mm. Um, uh, you know, uh, when I was with with um, uh, DHL and UPS, I'd spend a lot of time uh, with our drivers. For example, mm. you know, one day a month, I would tell the team as well, go out on the road one day a month. Um, listen to the drivers, hear mm. what they have to say. You'll be surprised at what you can learn about the market and the customers, mm. uh, and also about our products mm. and where they, where you can tweak those uh, slightly. Um, you know, price points, trade lanes, all, all this information is valuable, as well as with um, market people to go out with uh, with salespeople too, yeah. to, to understand with a salesperson how hard it is for them to close a deal. Mm. Everyone thinks it's simple, mm. but it, it, it is a, a, a very tough ask to do because you're getting, sorry, sorry, you're getting bombarded with information from from your company about the different products yep. how they benefit you know and if you've got a large business you're cross selling and upselling and then you're going out to a customer who's got a very specific issue yep. you've got to take that noise out and look at what their solution is and then you've got to sell them that so and then you should go out there and listen to what the customer says is bad about you mm. so because often a salesperson will come in and say Oh, they said that we're too too expensive. For mm. Argument's sake, that's that's the most co common common thing. Yeah. And then everyone in house goes, "Oh, you guys all marketing all, always takes it as an excuse." Or sales, yeah, everyone yeah. says, you know, sales all, 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 always uh, say that, right? Yeah. But you bring that back in, and if you can get that from three or four different customers mm. about a certain area or product or you're offering, then you know what you've got some real intelligence. Around a certain part of your service that mm. is, is that is not priced price right, mm. you can go back into it and look at it. Why are we not as competitive mm. in that product or service offering? Mm. What can we do to reduce our costs, or are our costs allocated correctly? Mm. So go, go on the call to finance and ask them to relook at it, or mm. then find ways to reduce costs. Um, or maybe, maybe you haven't conveyed enough from a marketing perspective the the real value of the product. Correct. But I'm talking about coming back in. Oh, okay. Coming back yep. into our business, so you, mm. so you, so you started to support sales, yeah, because you're working closely. With, remember, I said to you, mm. you to work closely together. Mm. So all of a sudden, sales starts to see marketing working closely together. Yeah, like okay, these guys have taken my four points about too expensive on board. They're looking at it. Yeah, right. Yes, you got to articulate the value to you provide to to the customer, mm. saying, look, we're providing you, you know, mm. data entry saving, cost saving. There, we're moving your product a, a lot quicker or faster, and that. Is, mm. is, is a saving to them and revenue to them. The other side of it by going out with sales for, for all marketing people is you will also learn the first few minutes, the customer will, will just bombard you with yeah. how, how bad you are. Yeah. Take it on on board, take it and, yeah. and see if you hear it two or three or four times. Mm. But at the same time, you'll also hear after that 10 minutes, good things, what you do well. Right. We often forget about the good things that we do. Mm. We're doing a lot. If, you, if you've got a business that's selling $100 million a year, well, guess what? You're, you doing, a, doing, something you're right. doing something right. Yeah. What are those good things that, that you're doing? Yep. Right? Take them back in. Yeah. Make them more louder mm. in, in, in your campaigns, in your cloud, because that's your competitive advantage. Yeah. Right? Yep. So 
it's, it, it, and that also shows with sales that you're working with them yep. to help them um, sell. Brilliant. As, um, couldn't agree more. Couldn't agree more. S simple, right? Yeah, quite simple. Let's <laughs> just go and execute it. <laughs> yes, right. Uh, it's very hard out there because there's so many different things at play. Yeah. That you get uh, sidetracked left, right, of different course. priorities, staff issues. Yeah. You know, budget constraints, money yeah. hasn't come in, you've got to cut your budget by half. Or, yeah. <laughs> for all the fun things. For all the startup founders listening, these are things you probably have to deal with a little <laughs> bit down the road. Um, it has been an eventful almost an hour. Closing in on a yes. 60 minute. Um, yeah, it's been amazing. Thank you so much. That I think we unpacked a few interesting ideas and topics. Um, I hope everyone, I'm sure everyone who's listening definitely uh, would have definitely taken um, a lot of value from it. I certainly appreciate your time. And... Um, Thank you for coming. That's no, good. I, I hopefully some people can learn. It yeah. helps out some companies, particularly the, the smaller ones who don't have that expertise in house. Yeah, they're they're doing it tough. Mm. I've, I've been one of them, and it is hard because you're often alone mm. and question yourself. Of course, like I remember at night, I I question myself ten, ten times over a, a decision I was, I was about to make in the morning. Mm. Where in a large corporate, you'd pass it on to a couple of people. Mm. You get your sanity check that it's mm. correct. So. Yeah, I think it applies a lot to a lot of the smaller businesses who are trying to to come out of this pandemic. Make a dent in the world. Questioning yourself is very interesting. Hey, it's something that you have to do, but where do you draw the line? Because too much of it can be self sabotage, right? God, it's it's it's. It comes down to the individual. I mean, you're like, don't even take me there. <laughs> I mean, I I I I was doing it relentlessly because mm. it also it's also it's your money. Mm. You got skin in the game as such, mm. right? When you're working for someone, you don't, mm. right? Um, so you are, and you know, and you know, you've got, you know, X amount of dollars to spend. You want to make sure that every single dollar is used, you know, one Sent. and a half times, right? Yeah. If not one, once at least uh, on, on return. So you're you're really questioning everything mm. over, and you're double checking things, triple checking everything. Mm. It's it's um. Because yeah, it's it's something that uh, I I think probably as you get a, a bit more seasoned mm. and, and and you grow, you probably get a bit more uh, uh, relaxed and probably yeah. you you, know, you bring on people on board. But we were lucky enough to sell our business, mm. uh, so that that was a, a, a certainly a positive. Maybe sh maybe that should be another episode where we talk about knowing when to sell a business. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, actually, true, true. Um, that's actually true because look, it's it's timing is critical, mm. um, and and look, sometimes it, it it comes out of the blue. You know, mm. we 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 weren't planning on it, mm. and all of a sudden we getting a bit of interest. Mm. So then I spent some time, um, a few months in building it up, mm. even more, to get the the price a bit higher. Um, yeah, because obviously you wanted to show uh, more help. EBIT um, uh, profit margin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Correct. Yeah. So our EBIT. So um, timing, timing is critical. Um, mm. But sometimes it, c it comes out of the blue where it wasn't a plan, but it happened. Yeah. Uh, so look, it's it's. Yeah. I, I must admit, I I would not change the experience I had. Yeah. Um, you know, it was crazy hours, mm. a lot of stress. Yeah. Um, a lot of fun. 
mm. as well, like learning fun. Like what I learned, and I see what I what I had learned in my career, and then executing in your own business, you know, and then and then now going back into the corporate world, it's 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 such an amazing experience to have. Mm. Um, it really gets you. It's an eye opener. Very focused on mm. what you need to do mm. and and where that um where your time was best spent for that period of time and then moving on to the, the next thing and, mm. and, and looking at growth because you're always looking at growth and, and and that's the biggest factor i think one of the things that when you start a business whether it succeeds or fails hopefully succeeds is that when it's all said and done you never look back at it at it and say oh that was a waste of time there's a lot of lessons that you learn you know, the journey, the fun that you said, you know, you're talking about. There's a lot of things that when you are an entrepreneur who starts something and grows it, that journey, be it five years or 10 years or whatever, very tough to say, you know, it was, it was a waste of time. Even if you didn't make a lot of money, there were a lot of lessons. Um, well, I don't think I've met anyone that has said it's been a waste of time. Yep. I think everyone said, you know, I really enjoyed it. Mm. Some people said, I made a lot out of it. Yeah. Some people have made a, like a lot, a lot, a lot of money. Yeah. Um, some people haven't. But they said, look, we didn't make as much as, as you wanted to, but, but geez, I enjoyed it. Like I mm. learned so much yep. as, about the business world, mm. but also about myself. Yeah. Because you also learn what your limitations are. Mm. And you'd be surprised how resourceful that you can be as an individual to learn something new and different mm. because you know you won't have a compliance officer working mm. for you you got to make sure you tick all the compliance like if you're in a certain industry mm. you know in allied health or something you got to make sure that you've got all those compliance ticks and measured off right 100 uh you know so you'll be surprised how you pick much up a lot of new skills for how sure. far you can you can be stretched mm. it's either um our our the human brain we we, we don't we're fearful of using it, but it's mm. it's just fantastic. It's that can be another episode. <laughs> <laughs> well, yes. it's been a pleasure. How can people connect with you? Do you want to reach out for any? Yeah, I, I am on LinkedIn. Sure. Uh, so you can check me out there, and then you can send me a request through 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 so that page. It's Sony, Sony S O double N N Y Y and Chadha C H A D H A. Fantastic. Based in Sydney. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much for your time, Sonny. It's been a pleasure. Thank you, Ronnie. Appreciate it very much.